I'm Michael Dunn, and you're listening to Oregon Rainmakers from KLCC Studios. My guests today are Brittany Quick Warner of the Eugene Chamber of Commerce and Vonnie Mickelson of the Springfield Chamber. We talk about the biggest stories and trends in local business that occurred in 2022 and some of the biggest challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. Brittany and Vani, the executive directors, respectively, of the Eugene Chamber and Springfield Chamber. Thanks so much for, uh, for, for, for coming in. Thanks for having us. Great to be here, Michael. Thank you. You know, I'll start with, uh, let's start with Vani here. Um, you know, it's, it seems like these years have sort of smushed together because of so much <laughs> happening. But if we do look back at 2022, is there, is there a headline you can put on local uh, to describe local business in 2022? Oh boy, a headline. Boy, now you're getting me out of my lane, Michael. <laughs> Single headline. You know, I, I, I do or or just a few words that kind of, yeah. you know, if you can encapsulate it. Yeah, the, the um, so, you know, we began the year with uh, Delta, I think it was, just coming back. So we were yeah. still, believe it or not, it's hard to believe today, but we were still in the middle yeah. of the pandemic and sort of a lot of ans- uncertainty. I think then we had supply chain and then we had inflation and then we have back to work and then we have didn't back to work, maybe back to work. Maybe we had big, you know, the high quit rates. So Gosh, a headline. Uh, I'm going to leave that to my colleague and, and friend, <laughs> wow. much smarter than I, Brittany, to come up with the headline. But I think between the two of us, we should be able to figure something out. You know, chambers are known for collaboration, but passing the buck, interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, well, uh, Brittany, what do you think? I mean, in terms of you businesses, know, you... here we go. Businesses push on despite (laughs) despite the odds against them yeah i I think that that that's that's a good way to put it and and let's get into that of some of some of the biggest challenges obviously you know 2022 you know for probably a whole generation of younger workers this this word inflation was sort of this amorphous concept but now we've really got to see it talk a little bit about sort of when you you know you guys represent so much of the business community in our in our listening area um you know what were some of the some of the feedback you were getting from either members or just people that you know about you know price pressure with inflation yeah i mean I think the thing that I I learned a lot from businesses this year is that inflation has has such a complex relationship with all the different pieces of business and government and nonprofits in the community, um, but it touches everybody. Um, and the the complexities really lie within obviously increased cost of goods and businesses consume goods as much as they produce them when it comes to how they produce them, right? So they're talking about issues with increasing costs for the the materials they need and then there's the the push on the other side of their employees being impacted by inflation and then as employers trying to figure out how do we respond to that with increased wages you know more flexibility whatever that is and so a lot of businesses felt like they're kind of getting hit from both sides right they're getting both increased uh expenses and you know from their goods and then mm-hmm. employees feeling that pressure as well and employers really wanting to do right, something right. to support those folks. Right. And that's the painful piece yeah. that we see a lot is employers wanting to take care of their employees. Yeah. Not to mention, of course, being in a, a high stakes uh, recruitment and retention um, battle, if you will, uh, because of the labor force supply uh, issues. So um, the, the thing that strikes me the most is when we say, you know, that when, when Brittany mentions it, despite the hardships, but despite the odds against us, against the small business community, when I think about uh, inflation, 
labor shortages, lack of uh, workforce, um, supply chain issues. I think about that small business owner on Main Street that doesn't have the flexibility or is cash strapped and can't, you know, um, uh, um, doesn't have sort of the ability to absorb some of those inflationary costs, whether that's (coughs) supply chain uh, induced or um, labor induced. And then I, I think that's why we have seen um, maybe a little more turnover percentage-wise in retail and restaurant uh, in those small business in the small business community. Yeah, exactly. And and I'm thinking too. It's like you know, and I, I know that this this word gets thrown around so much as roller coaster. But you know, it seems to me that 2022. Take for example, you just mentioned a, a very important industry, the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. You know, 2022. There was this sense of maybe the worst of COVID is behind us. And so restaurants really felt like, wow, this is great. We're reopening, we're welcoming customers back. We're able to rehire employees, but then boom, all of a sudden, a steak that re- that that wholesaled for eight dollars a pound is now seventeen dollars a pound. Just what was it like? I imagine talking to members, talking to your executive committee, your board. I mean, sometimes it's like, and I imagine with your board, there there's so many um, many years of experience and so many sort of worldviews of of different economies over the intervening decades. There must have been some hard but interesting conversations with some of your leadership team to be like, wow, I don't know that we've ever seen an economy quite like this. Yeah, for sure. I, it was sobering for me because in, in our roles, I think one of our um, traditionally, one of the places that we really uh, excel at and for good reason is is uh, focusing on Optimism. Yeah, but that's because when there's a you know a, a level of certainty in yep. the economy and pre-pandemic uh, we were booming, right? Yeah. So to um, reset and balance sort of the fear and the anxiety and the really bad bad news potentially that our board members were saying, or when we talked to community, or when we you know um, uh, weigh in or or hear conversations going at the state or at the federal level that you know it was cause for pause yeah. and you have to find a, a, a balance in between that because of course what we're hearing now is maybe a little bit leveling enough on the inflation side but the worst is yet to come and I think that that bodes uh, you know you know that's an, another reason to sort of reset and think about a practical and pragmatic approaches, which can yeah. be a good opportunity. And we can talk about that too. Yeah. And I think, you know, Vani touched on a lot of the economic uncertainty that businesses experienced and will continue to experience. And then you layer on the political uncertainty that we all have experienced from the local to the federal level. And it just feels like a one-two punch. And that's something that we spend a lot of time talking to our elected officials about on behalf of these businesses is like you, like your political environment that you're operating in is only one piece of the puzzle for these businesses and community members that we're representing. And so while you think they can handle a little bit of pushback on some of these things, it's just layered on top of all this other um, just difficulty that they're going through. And so trying to help get the work, like somewhere business survives and thrives on certainty and predictability and the, you know, the, their ability to look six months, a year down the road and say, okay, this looks like the trajectory of where I'm going. I can make smart business decisions based on this. 
and they haven't had certainty anywhere they look. And so it's just that Two, that three years. pressure yeah. um, at some point gets to the point where you have some folks who are saying, I can't do it anymore. Can't do it anymore. And quite frankly, pushing back pretty seriously. And yeah. we've seen that. <clears throat> Beatrice, Brittany, and I both on both sides in our communities uh, on specific issues. Yeah. Well, so, so, so looking back, over the, over the past 12 months and and for for people who don't know so much of the behind the scenes work that chambers do is is collaboration interaction education of elected officials and regulatory bodies and what like how would you describe 2022 in terms of that work to to go to whatever layer of government you're talking about from from the city county to the state level and to say understand what is happening in small business was there a receptivity to it was there pushback or was it kind of all over the map were there any i guess i would go back to in 2020 when the pandemic hit we saw a lot of collaboration with like the the paycheck protection program those things did that sort of collaboration maybe wane a little bit in 2022? Interesting yeah. question. I, I was going <laughs> to... Really putting us on the spot. Here, my um, I was going to say that that's the sense that I got, is okay. that the beginning of the pandemic, there really was sort of this leaning in from every single direction to support small businesses, to support the employees, to support each other. And, you know, I think, oh, I assume, Bonnie, I have the same sort of like, yes, this is what the chamber has been looking for and working for for, you know, generations is this sense of like, we're all in this together. We all need to see each other's challenges as, as you know, worthy of working on and working towards something. And, and I think that, you know, it's sort of faded away <laughs> over this last year. Um, you know, we do have this role of being these optimists in the community. And, and that's who I am. It's who I, I still wholly believe that we have so much to look forward to and, and to be excited about. But if I'm just being totally honest, this last year in the 10 years that I've been working for the chamber, I have got this sentiment that like, this is the least business friendly that, that we've felt from our political um, environment in a really long time. Mm -hmm. And I would say, um, from my perspective, I, I it's a little bit jolting, okay. uh, given just two years ago, the collaboration, yeah. and not only giving lip service to its, you know, the small business community as the backbone of our community, but in real terms, in tangible terms, this is how we're going to be flexible. This is how we're going to not be flexible, because it doesn't make sense. You know, there are priorities and sometimes not everybody agreed but we were able to pull through and we were able to work together business government education together yeah. to uh, do what we needed to do at that time so enter 2022 we saw at the beginning of this year something quietly i would say if you're not paying attention <clears throat> uh, roll out at the state level uh, through um, the governor's office, which essentially put forth uh, or designated regulatory agencies to do a very, very ambitious uh, climate action plan mm -hmm. strategy. So the chambers, the business community, we're not against um, environmental friendly practices by any means. But when they're forced and when they're again layered on top of the highest, you know, ever tax and regulatory environment that the state has ever seen and our employers are ever seen, and then these are trickling down as unfunded mandates, both on either on private or public 
local entities. That's when we start to get really concerned. So that coupled with any local initiatives, mm -hmm. like we're seeing in Eugene uh, with uh, um, natural gas ban or even renewable um, fossil fuel energy, and even earlier this year in, in Springfield on the Main Street Safety Project, it's just un, you know untenable. And, and uh, business, I believe that's when the business community has every right to say, look, hold, let's just stop, and let's just take another look, let's be reasonable, and let's actually pull some data and revisit that. If you've already got the data, then show it to us. Um, if you don't have the data, then let's work together to pull set, pull that together so we can make some really important yeah. and good decisions when it comes to not only our local resources, be they public or private, but also our local tax dollars. Yeah, and, and I think the the regulatory environment and sort of pushing things out is one thing. The real rub for me and for a lot of the folks that I talk to is that these decisions are being made, these policies being crafted without business at the table. And it's not even just like a I'm, you know, I'm pouting because I wasn't involved. It was it's it's a matter of you are missing such a critical opportunity to insert innovation and private sector solutions to some of these problems, which we know can work so much faster than our government entities sometimes. We are missing that in all of these policy decisions when we aren't seeking out putting business people at the table along with other folks, right? We're not saying we're the only voice. We're saying you've got to have this voice at the table if you're actually going to come up with the best policies that we can that we can imagine for our communities. And that's been that has sort of been the theme throughout all of these different regulations is that it, it's just being done without anybody even really consulting in a meaningful way with data and with business and with, you know, the community members too. I would say this is not just a business issue. No, I don't think so. Um, it, is, it is a matter of like this this distrust with government right now is, is the highest it's ever been. And it's people feeling like decisions are being made on their behalf without them having any kind of in meaningful engagement in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll dig more into that. We're going to take our first break. We're talking with Brittany Quick-Warner and Vonnie Michelson from the Eugene Chamber and the Springfield Chamber. We'll be right back. In a time of profound change, we are grateful for the consistent support from our sustaining members. It is because of your ongoing generosity that KLCC has been able to serve as a reliable news source for our audiences across Oregon. KLCC sustaining members are truly the foundation of this public service. If you would like to become a sustaining member, visit klcc.org to make your donation today. And we're back ta talking with uh, Vonnie Mickelson and Br uh, Brittany Quick Warner. So, you know, we're talking about some of the inherent conflicts that are happening uh, between the business community and, and certainly the regulatory agencies, elected officials and whatnot. And of course, 2020 year, was a very important political year, the midterm elections, of which many pundits said, you know, this was one of the most important midterm elections. How do you feel that both we can talk about the impacts of, of having a new governor, a new a new representative for Congressional District 4, but just in general, do you think that in a political year, a very important political year like 2022 with the midterms, that some of the elected officials and some of the agencies you've been talking about were building up for conflict because of elections? Mm. I don't know. Um, I don't know if that's the case. Okay. I, I never thought of it that way. If it okay. was, it could be. I think that, you know, with a governor in her last year mm -hmm. um, of, um, of her term, 
maybe it was, you know, from that perspective, it was the time to just do whatever, um, you know, she could do within the powers of authority. So that could be it. I think that, um, I think on the other hand, during the election, what I observed was a lot more conversation or at least some kind of attempt to get towards the same center, yeah. like okay. I would call it. Okay. So there were doors being opened and conversations being had. Now, campaigns are campaigns and governing is, is a different thing. So there are a couple of things, though, and I won't, you know, we'll get there, I'm sure, that I have, I do have some optimism about. Yeah. And what are, where, what are we, we don't have some optimism, <laughs> but there are some interesting signals that are being sent out there. Um, and opportunities, I do believe, for us to explore a better economic strategy for our uh, state. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like there's this reckoning that needs to be had in the in the business community when it comes to um, to representation, to you know, some of these elections with different candidates, and that is that social issues move people to vote. Yep economic issues not as much in this in this day and age that we're living in hmm. and as a business community there's a lot of social issues that we can and should be engaged in because they directly impact our ability to do business um and and one of those that has really come to head in the community i'm sure we'll touch on at some point is the issue of homelessness and our yeah. housing crisis yeah. which has for a long time been sort of seen as a social issue the reality is it is a social issue it is an economic issue like it is a community issue that is significantly impacting individuals lives in this community housed and unhoused um so there's places where i feel like we have such opportunity to come together and to sort of abandon this sort of this i don't know the the way that these ideological lines have been split for so long to Vani's point, finding the same center where we can agree on some of these social things and then also be able to move the economy forward too. Yeah. And I would add to that child care. Child care. Child Perfect. care. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the education and workforce issues that we're dealing with. Yeah. Well, let's let's jump right into that. Obviously, you know, and, and, and Brittany, you and your organization and, and, and you as well, Vani, have been very upfront about helping to find, to try and find solutions to the unhoused crisis to homelessness to the lack of affordable housing um i don't think there's a single person i've talked to on these microphones in a business community or nonprofit or elected official that we don't spend time talking about it it seems to be the issue for our, our community at least the most visible issue um i've often thought if we could calculate the number of hours that this issue takes up an airtime by yeah. the salaries of these people who are having right. these conversations, we could solve the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Another data poll. Exactly. 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 <laughs> Where do you think, again, looking back over the, the past 12 months, what have been some wins and maybe some continued challenges with regard to the homeless issue? Yeah, I mean, I can speak uh, from the, the Eugene Chamber and really, I think, just broadly across the business community. We really spent this last year um, kind of turned inward to figure out what what do we need to do to educate ourselves? We need to know the information. We need to understand the complexity of this issue before we can really put some innovative solutions or come to the table around some of these solutions and ideas, right? Because when you walk into a conversation that maybe you haven't been in for a long time, you don't want to walk in without the information that everybody else has, right? So we spent a lot of time doing that. The other the other area that I think we've made some great progress and I'm excited about is sort of getting the language right between 
the business community, our government partners, and our service providers. So we understand we're all talking about the same thing here. And honestly, that language barrier, I underestimated how much that was holding us back from actually all signing you know, our name on the same dotted line about what we're trying to get done together. And there's been a lot of really great progress in the last few months. Um, an example of what that looks like is we are, you know, we're working and pushing forward on doing a, a study of sources and uses of funding and spending in this area of homelessness and housing in our region. City of Eugene, City of Springfield, Lane County, the Chamber, other partners have come to the table to say, okay, we all need to understand this better. It's a lot of complicated uh, funds coming into the community. Where's it all going out to? How do we bring more transparency and clarity to the rest of the community about that? Because a lot of the decisions get made are based on the funding we have or don't have in yeah. this area. So that's one area where we're excited next year to kind of come together around this. And we all sort of, it took a little bit to get at the table and agree what we we're trying to get to the bottom of, but we have, and that's great. I think that we're all starting to use the same language. We know we have the same end goal in mind, which is reducing the number of unhoused people living on the streets in this community. Um, and I think we're making good progress in that space. Um, I think that Brittany's onto something there, and I've talked to her. You know, it's not easy. It's not, number one, it's one of the most difficult and most prominent problems that communities, not just ours, are yeah. dealing with. But I just saw Western Association of Chamber Executives poll come out. And um, it, I, I don't know, 100, 150 chambers of commerce okay. report, and it's the number two problem beyond supply chain, inflation, workforce. That's so, surprising, actually. I th it was surprising I'm surprised by that. Too. Yeah. It was, I, I think, 33%. You had to pick your top three. 33% yeah. or something like that reported it for their communities as well. So it is indication that businesses, the business community uh, does understand this to be not just a social issue, but an economic issue yep. and an opportunity for us to, to show what we actually feel is compassion, but do it in the right way where yep. we think the dollars are actually being put yep. into solutions yeah. and not just, you know, the same um, issues being, um, at, you know, coming back to the table for more funding, more tax dollars, more money. That I think is a key. And if, um, uh, the Eugene Chamber and, you know, with Brittany's leadership and <clears throat> can um, crack that nut and even at least, you know, the first step is awareness and speaking the same language. Yeah. It, you know, you can underestimate that too many times and never go and you just spin your wheels. But if you can get to that point where we're actually talking, uh, actually solving the problem yes. in the ways that we all know is the right way to do it then I think, you know, then you open up a whole new door. If you look at some of the work the Eugene Mission is doing, they're actually bringing people back and into jobs. Yeah. And we need those people. And we need productive families. We need families to be taken care of. We need their kids to be educated. And, you know, so we all want the same thing. Yeah. Um, we, we, we just want to be sure we're doing it the, the right way and not just putting more money into a problem that's not being solved. And, and related to this is is the fact that, you know, we're still in a situation where, you know, <laughs> there isn't enough housing in, yeah. in our community. 
At the same time, there's sort of a rebalancing going on with how much business space is needed. I think out of out of COVID, we, we've seen a situation where maybe working from home is becoming more of a reality. And so there's kind of a rebalancing. So, so maybe in terms of just looking back over the real estate issue, both commercial real estate and residential real estate, what was 2022 like? Was it, was it, it's obviously a crazy housing market right now, but I mean, what were some of the things that you saw that you kind of went, wow, this is a... Uh, this is an issue. Yeah, I, I don't know that the housing issue got any better this last year, just to be frank. We did okay. have some some good projects open on the affordable sure. housing side of things, but um, we're, we're land strapped. I mean, yeah. I think that like until we grapple with that issue, we're not going to get all the way there. Um, I think that we did see cost for construction to come down a little bit yeah. from the insanity it yeah. was in the summer of 2021. <laughs> like $90 a board foot yeah, for lumber yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah so that's good. Yeah. But the labor issues hasn't yeah. haven't been yeah. fixed. And yeah. that's the other huge input or, or expense yeah. on that housing construction side. So we still have headwinds that are that can at times feel insurmountable. I don't think they are. I think okay. we can overcome them. Um but housing is the housing is the issue, right? We have about forty one hundred individuals in Lane County who are unhoused right now. Um, some of them, about a thousand or so, are in shelters in our community. But that still leaves about three thousand people who are, in theory, living on the streets in their car on a neighbor's or a friend's couch, etc. And that's a lot of units that we need to grapple with. Now, not all three thousand of those individuals or four thousand need a home built for them, right? Sure. But we have to acknowledge the fact that a good portion of those people, we have to find housing for them or we're never going to reduce that number. There are other factors that we have to focus on as well. This is not a silver bullet um, and all of it needs to be included. Um, but the lar- a large portion of that, it, we have to figure out the housing crisis situation and we got it. We gotta do. We gotta do it differently. We can't keep throwing the same solutions at a problem that that they aren't fixing. <laughs> Isn't that the definition of insanity? Exactly. You're doing the, yeah, the same yeah. thing, expecting a different. I was trying to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think I read in the state's report, the Oregon Business Plan folks just recently put out their <clears throat> economic strategy for the next years, and that's another thing I think it's worth uh, calling out and talking about as we look forward. But I think. Um, Brittany, you may know the number better, but I think the goal for the state in order to just catch up is 30,000 units, housing units, a year for the next 10 years. Yeah. Wow. And that's a lot. And, you know, one of the the things that we know probably, the climate-friendly and equitable communities is one of those regulatory extremely like the uh, – even the city of Springfield has joined 15, 20 cities across the state challenging it in the courts but is that the best regulatory person you know the pursuit is it or is it in conflict with our goals to build more housing i don't know the answer but i think it's again uh take a step back and take a look at it is it better for us to uh, address maybe in a phased approach Mm -hmm. the crisis immediate for the next three to five years get you know put some flexibility back into the system into the permitting process into the creating buildable land moving that faster it sounds great you got to find the funding and and then there's the market conditions so um again it goes back to are we are we shooting ourselves in the foot by trying to fix a problem with all the wrong tools which i get the sense over and over we are and that really just 
almost common sense says, wait a minute, let's stop and actually talk to each other about this because the the builders, the developers really, you know, are trying to get to a place where we can provide housing. And then you've got your community members. And then, uh, by the way, I think it was the Ben Chamber came out. They they know they've done some data and, and uh, polled their business members and they are losing jobs due to workforce and they are just a step ahead of us in terms of the cost and the availability meaning you know we're on that track we're not perhaps as critical or as bad as they are but i do hear anecdotally much more frequently than ever before that we're having a hard time recruiting um, from outside the area let alone the you know lack of shortage outside the area meaning out of state perhaps even to um, fill some of those critical jobs. So yeah, just to be clear, to this is yeah, housing. this is not a, just an affordable housing crisis. <clears throat> sure. yeah. When we think about in terms of like technical affordable housing, which is you know well below market rate, we have a dearth of housing, affordable housing, workforce housing, market rate housing. Right. All of those. We hit all the boxes. <laughs> all of those levels yeah. have to have an attention and a strategy for how we're actually going to hit those goals. Sure. It, it's an enormous number, but it's not It's not, not doable. Mm-hmm. We all would have given up on our jobs forever ago if we <laughs> actually didn't have, like, a, a feeling of we could do this. Yeah. Um, like, why Why would I be in this job? If I didn't have a little bit of optimism and hope that, like, this could actually – we could actually have a really successful, business-friendly, um, sustainable community that, that did address our housing crisis and our homeless crisis – I think it's possible. Um, it just is going to take us looking at it differently and being willing to look at it differently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's take our next break, and then when we come back, we're going to put that optimism to use, and we'll talk about some <laughs> of the some of the great things that happened in 2022. We'll be right back with Vonnie Mickelson and Brittany Quick Warner from the uh, Springfield and Eugene Chambers. I'm Barbara Dellenbach, host of KLCC's Oregon Grapevine. Nikki Price leads the Lincoln City Cultural Center and is the chair of the Oregon Cultural Trust. In this conversation, she emphasizes the importance of art in all walks of life. What I love about the Cultural Center in Lincoln City and other small art centers like it is that it brings art and culture into everyday life. It makes it accessible. It it makes it your place that you can drop by. Bringing art alive every day on the Oregon Grapevine at klcc.org. And we're back talking with Brittany Quick Warner from the Eugene Chamber and Vonnie Mickelson from the Springfield Chamber. So, okay, um, as, as you both are 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 are, are uh, uh, hopeless optimists because of the job that you have, so let's talk about some of the exciting things that did happen in 2022. I mean, still a lot of challenges, still a difficult year, but you know, the world came to Eugene. Let's talk. Let's start with the yeah. World Track, Track Championships and what you think it 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 it, it did for the region. Well, I think for starters, it gave people something to get excited about. And I think that sometimes we underestimate the value of just having something to be happy about in in a world that feels like everything is just hard and not not worthy of happiness. (laughs) Um, And so that, I don't know, I just like... Just the 10 days, just being a, I kept saying I was a tourist in my own community and just going around town and just feeling the joy that people had to be showing off this beautiful place that we call home, right? We all know the challenges that we all face, but the reality is like we live in a beautiful place mm-hmm. and people really enjoyed it. And and there was wonderful feedback about the hospitality and the experiences that people got to have. Um, and, and so I think that that to me, it really was one of the highlights of the last year was just that feeling and that sense of community and that we came together and we did this despite 
the postponement and like all of the work that it took, um, it just it just felt good to do something positive together. Yeah, I would agree, and I think the um, the sense of festivity. I felt that in yeah. a couple of different places. There's the obvious one and the, the really nice setup that um, uh, Eugene did down at the riverfront. Yeah. And actually I ran into Brittany, Brittany and her husband at that. <laughs> we, were, we were headed over the bridge and here, oh, well, Brittany. So we had, but just the international. Sure. Um, everybody was there to cheer their team and cheer each other for cheering their team. Yeah. And that, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that you want your community to experience. And yeah. then, in Springfield, we were, you know, we were able to host the at least a portion of the men's and women's marathon. So that's a really special thing for yeah. our community. We were camped the out over side. in Springfield watching both of those, yeah. and it was so fun to see all the neighbors out of their yeah. homes, like standing was, on the yeah. side of the streets. Yeah, it's just a special experience. It's a unique experience. I'll, I'll tell you a little, a little funny thing. One of my former employees uh, was sitting in a hotel room in Italy <laughs> watching the World Games in his hometown <laughs> and uh, saw the marathon feed and he said, oh, I saw the chamber, you know, because you yeah. went right by the, the historic depot. So, you know, just the idea that um, I think there was a photo taken Main Street USA. It doesn't matter if it's Eugene Springfield, it's USA yeah. Yeah. of downtown Springfield in that marathon. So I think the representation and the, the presence that we had in that, I think we pulled it off. Yeah, well. and I would be remiss to, I mean, everyone had a big role to play right the university the cities but traveling county mm-hmm. um our destination sure. marketing organization they put their heart and soul into that for yeah. years and a lot sure. of behind the scenes work and yeah. so just a shout out to that crew because they they really like they were kind of the glue behind a lot of that community work sure. and just well making said. sure it pushed forward sure. so sure it was just fun it was fun to see it all come to be and, and, and as you said, sort of the lead up to it, I mean, obviously, because of that, you know, we saw a lot more hotels going up. Talk about some of the biggest sort of, you know, yes, there were all these crises around where people live and where people work. But, you know, you forget sometimes you drive around and go, oh, wow, look at that beautiful building or look at look at, you know, a reading in the newspaper. Look at this development happening. Mm-hmm. Talk about some of the some yeah. of the stuff that we did in or you did or we all yeah. did together. Yeah, it's remarkable to think about. I, I've been reflecting a little bit on that, Michael, too, because it's easy to not see as things are happening around here. But when you really stop and take a look around, uh, look up, if you will, <laughs> and left and right and all the way around. Um, and, and I include in this uh, much of what's going on in Eugene, but in Springfield, the um, what I call kind of um, micro development or incremental development, the reimagining yeah. of existing spaces is what really excites me. It might be a mural mm-hmm. on the wall. Tons of murals went up. So that sure. seems to be, and really, really good ones that, yeah. that contribute to the place experience, the overall experience. We saw a lot of that. We saw a number of buildings being invested in, and you know the designs are underway, and we expect at any time, probably within the next year and two, to see as many as three or four of those come online just in the downtown area of Springfield. So, the old school administrative building that's going to be turned into um, market rate apartments. Really cool design designers behind that. The old Buick. Um, dealership in downtown Springfield going to be uh, market rate apartments the first ever in Springfield co- cross laminated timber uh, new construction as well as refurbishing that space for commercial and then some other projects in downtown on Main Street that are, again are taking advantage of um, I think this new sort of re- um, opportunity to look at investment in quality of place mm-hmm. yeah. quality of place which in turn 
um, leads to quality of life. Aspects. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think on the Eugene side, there was obviously Vani mentioned the Riverfront uh, Festival and it was literally on top of the land, which people got to see some of the infrastructure that the city has um, has developed in order for that that huge development that's going to start coming out of the ground this next year. Um, and I think it just got people kind of excited about wow, there really is like there's a there's a beauty and a reason for me to come down to the river. So it was a fun sort of precursor to have a lot of people come down to that space. And hopefully some people recognize like, oh, I can come back here. Once this is redeveloped, there's going to be a place for me to come and enjoy. Um, the farmer's market building in downtown Eugene, uh, you know, that was, that was a difficult project, but one that the community had had said they valued for a long time. And now we have this beautiful space in downtown Eugene for our farmers to have a year-round farmer's market. And they're still out there, right? Yeah. We had farmer's market on Saturday in, in the middle of winter, uh, which has been just incredible to be able to see. Um and then I'm with Vani. I think some of these like reimaginations of properties and spaces. I think that's that's where that's where I feel like you know the layperson can actually become and be a part of redevelopment. Um, is is finding a space that it doesn't have to be this massive you know right. apartment complex that's being built. Like you could you could have a really cool shop in downtown that has been vacant, and you could reimagine that space and bring vibrancy to that area. So. The, the scale of redevelopment, I think, starts from that that really small, approachable kind of opportunity to these larger investments that we also appreciate um, are, are moving our community forward. Yeah. You know, and I would say, too, um, and, and as we get to the close, my second to last question, or maybe it's even a comment that you can comment on, is I imagine there are a lot of people that um, living in our communities who may have a, a preconception of the respective downtowns, downtown Springfield, downtown Eugene. And they might say, oh, I don't really, it, 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 I think it behooves people. And I think 2022 might be a year in which a lot of this started to come, come to fruition. It's different. It's a, it's a, it's different. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying that there aren't problems, but if you haven't been at downtown Springfield in a while, you should go because you're talking about some of those developments and some of those reimagined spaces. And you're just like, Oh wow. And same thing with Eugene. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited this next year. So Eugene has a really awesome opportunity over the last three, four months. Um, there's been a big focus on what, what are the, the challenges and the opportunities for downtown Eugene. And I think folks have really recognized that downtown Eugene benefited from and depended on workers being yeah. downtown. That was the bulk of the population of people that came every day. And that looks different now, right? Offices are not what they used to be pre-pandemic. And so as a community, we have to acknowledge that to say there's a lot less people coming downtown than there used to be because they just aren't going to their offices downtown anymore. And then say, okay, so what do we do? What's our opportunity? And I think it's for housing. There's a, a lot of opportunity to get more housing in downtown. And that brings the people back that we need. Um, I think there's opportunity, obviously, to improve some of the safety concerns that we're, we're experiencing all over this region. Um, but I think there's an opportunity to lean into some of those smaller vacant spaces that can just, we, we can encourage entrepreneurialism and creativity and, and, and bringing those back to life. Um, and I, I am very bullish on, on downtown Eugene and on Eugene in, in 2023. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going, Bonnie's like no. shaking her head on radio. <laughs> oh, you can't, oh, oh you're supposed to you don't, you don't It's see not me. a visual medium. That's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I would say also, I have a, I'm, I'm not only bullish on Springfield, but also on Eugene. Mm -hmm. I think Eugene is getting a little bit, yeah, yeah, I got, 
there's some problems. We all know that. We all want to fix those. Um, but I think there's some real great opportunities still. Yeah. And you're seeing some interesting energy yeah. um, down there on, you know, down by the, the Gordon and the, you know, all that yeah. and west of there. Yep. And I think reimagining some of those spaces as, as housing is, a, is, a, is worth considering. I think in Springfield, um, you know, we didn't have the, um, the space that you know we didn't have the strong uh hundreds and hundreds of employees in our downtown we started out a little bit smaller maybe a little more nimble yeah we saw growth over the last five to seven years but we're we're not building okay. new buildings so i think what what um will be extremely interesting although i think it'll be slower than most people want especially in the private sector but the the reimagining development of the Glenwood area. That's an extension of our downtown. Mm -hmm. I kind of, I I, I like to pull up and say, when we get there, we will uh, legitimately be able to say we've got a river that runs through our downtown. Because you've got the Willamette, you know, one side of the bridge and the historic downtown on the other side. And I just think that plays in so well with what Eugene's doing on their riverfront. We need to better utilize that riverfront property. Sure, sure. All right, last question for for each of you. Uh, uh, Sorry, you're going to have to put on your, or look into your crystal ball. Could you make a prediction? What do you think might happen for for the business community in 2023? Either a prediction or or if you want to turn it around to, I hope in 2023 X happens. You can you can answer it either way. I I really do think that we are making some headway in our pursuit towards educating the community, but but our elected officials in the value and the benefit of bringing business to the table. I think we're making some headway there. Um, have had some really promising conversations with the mayor, with some of our elected officials, that they, they're recognizing this lack of involvement and um, participation from the business community is detrimental to us getting done what we all want to get done. And so I am hopeful um, that, that that engagement door will be open. And my hope is that businesses say yes to that invite because, um, you know, they have every reason to say no, right? They've been boxed out for sure. a while and, sure. and they have a lot on their plates. Um, but my hope is that because we all care so much about this community, we're going to keep leaning in, even if it means coming back a fourth time after being said no three times in a row, right? Um, so that's that's my hope for this next year. Okay. I, I agree, Brittany. I do think that for good reason, the business community has felt in this state, not necessarily in any local entity per se, but in the state overall, um, disengaged mm-hmm. and not appreciated, but for rah-rah small business. And okay. rah-rah small business means different things to different people. We have mostly, this is a small business state. Yes. The, mostly small businesses, 97%. So when we say business, our, we mean small business. Right. <laughs> and so we're not looking at, our state doesn't, um, you know, we don't have, a, but for maybe a few in the Portland area, super large um, corporations that are invested in our community. So we need to think about that differently. And quite frankly, I would be thrilled if um, our new governor and our new legislature and the the leadership that is putting in place, and I'm beginning to see a different conversation, at least Mm -hmm. a different public message, that business and economy are the drivers of opportunity Mm -hmm. and will and the creators of upward mobility and wealth. And therefore, if you don't put the economy 
business and industry up front, including manufacturers of all kinds. Let's not leave anybody, you know, let's not pretend it's just, you know, our favorite business. Manufacturers and all those that support through a ripple economy, um, our social service priorities, we won't we won't be there in 10 years. So I do see, uh, and I think it's starting, I'm seeing the door open through, believe it or not, and I, I want, here's my hope, <laughs> through the, the CHIPS Act, so um, the, the software manufacturing, research and development software manufacturing at the federal level, we are beginning to see a different conversation, yeah. bipartisan from Democrat, Republican, independents about what manufacturing means. And that's okay if it starts with chips. Mm-hmm. I, I'm okay with that. Whatever let's it takes just, to get it started. Yeah, yeah. let's keep that uh, conversation going and understand and acknowledge the value of an economic development strategy for the state and a vision and a business and government working together towards that. Great. Well, let's leave it there. Uh, uh, Vani Mickelson with the uh, Springfield Chamber, Brittany Quickwerner with the Eugene Chamber. Thanks so much for coming in. Obviously, 2022, very challenging year, some great things happening, and, and, and hopefully that will continue into 2023. Thanks again for being here. Thank you, Michael. Thank so you much. so much, Michael. That was our conversation with Brittany Quickwerner of the Eugene Chamber of Commerce and Vani Mickelson of the Springfield Chamber. So much happened in the local business environment this past year and 2023 promises to provide more challenges and opportunities for the region. This has been the Oregon Rainmakers podcast on KLCC. I'm Michael Dunn, your host. Thanks for listening.